Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. We are into May, and soon, yes, I see that Mother's Day is coming up. You may want to venture out and see maybe this weekend, Mom, or maybe next weekend you've got plans. And we know that when Mother's Day is around the corner, we know that spring is in the air. And I have to say, you know that spring is in the air when you can walk across the deck barefoot, You can see that you can have the windows open and start taking in that spring air. And, yes, a little little early wakening this morning with the chirping of the birds at 3.30 with the windows open. So it was an early start today. The sounds of spring are here. Listen, the sounds of spring. Frozen river defrosted. Broken, brittle, ice like glass, creating a maze of clear water, cascading through the little stream, burbles from the mountains down the hills. A stream whoosh and slap as it travels through the woods, hitting bedrocks, bubbling and soothing sounds. It tickles every pebbles. Aeolian sound of the wind made the twigs and leaves alive. Butterflies and buzzing bees greet every flower it quests fragrance from the cool breeze dusted sweet nectars in thin air malefic sounds of cardinals as they flee from tree and bush at dawn male birds chorus their song louder and livelier to attract mates and warn other birds to stay out of their territories the sound of spring is gentle as severe blowing west wind Spring, sprung like a gentle lamb, came the first shower of spring in northern hemisphere to warm the earth and ease the soft green grass and colorful daffodils from thriving. These are the sounds of spring, and we welcome them. Welcome back, everyone. It is already May, and the warm weather that we've had this week has inspired us to be in our gardens. Yes. I think it's kind of the soft start to say it's go time and it's grow time. It's kind of of corny, but I think I like it because let's get in our gardens. The lines are open, 1-800-374-3315, if you want to jot that down and give me a call. As I look about us on the ride in this morning, we see that a lot of the trees are still in their dormancy kind of state. I know that it's been a slow start here because some of our guys actually waded through some of the water with the rubber boots and did a little bit trimming of some of our willows. So yes, we have some beautiful pussy willows that are here and normally we don't see them open this late, at least traditionally on our grounds and our property. So it's kind of nice to see that the awakening of the trees brings us back to being spring. If you're looking at doing a little bit of fix up or remedy on some of your trees that had a little bit of diseases or carrying over some of the insect eggs that are on there. You still have a little bit of time on some of your trees 
to apply your dormant oil lime sulfur. So it, or just remember that application, if you got some in the garage or in the shed that hasn't frozen, uh, bef- you have to apply it before the bud set opens up. So with a little bit of the cooler temperature today, it may be a good time to get in the garden and do some of those tasks that are there. And I know that we hit some double digits and it was warm and it gave us that sort of inspiration for the heat that's coming. But personally, I know that there is a little bit of uh, work to be done in some of our yards. We're going to talk about maybe amending our soils and let's do it in the stages. I love talking about what is evident right now. What should we be doing or looking at in the real time frame to sort of get us growing? We're all on the same page. We all like to do things in order of what it should be done. And if it's there's opportunity to actually start fixing some of our soils or ro- so that we're in preparation of crop rotating or changing some of the things, then why not? Let's get going and let's get fixing some of those things up, which is perfect. Now, if you're thinking about amending soils, and a lot of people are coming in and talking about Um, fixing our gardens and fixing our lawns. I think we've had an unprecedented amount of people coming in talking about, yeah, those rat, not the rabbits, although they've done their damage on some of the trees. It's the full damage on our lawns. It is a whole rippling effect that you think that you, once the snow's gone and you're thinking, what has happened to my lawn? It is just a rambling of dead turf or grass sitting on it and you're raking it and you have this sort of collage of meandering river streams that are going throughout your whole uh, lawn or grass. This is a clear indication that vole damage has happened. Yeah. If you don't know, they like to harbor in little places that have been nestled in with leaves over the winter. And the amount of snow on top has given them a clear path underneath that snow to run on top of the lawn, even though it's in its dormant stage. Because whatever was left there that was green, they have sort of helped themselves to it. And a little bit of the rooting underneath of it as well. So there are measures now, if you want, I've seen some rakes out there. If your lawn is dry, you can start getting out there and thatch. We've had also people coming in and saying, can we start to aerate? Yes, if you need to get some good oxygen down there. Remember, if you have very wet, wet spots, I'd say still stay off of them because it's hard to rake areas that are soggy and wet. You're going to cause more damage on the existing turf if you still have turf that's there and not been affected by the vole damage. And the reason for staying off of wet lawns is because if you're walking on a wet lawn that has been pushed up from the ice because of the moisture contents in there, now that it's thawed out, that moisture hasn't drained off. And if you're walking on it on wet, you're actually smushing down the air pockets that has been filled up by that moisture, which would eventually, if it dried, would become nice, good air pockets for good growth and good activity on your roots, right? Are you on the same page as me? You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. It is. It started off a sunny morning and now it's cloudy. It's okay because we know that the sun will come out. Our temperatures are slowly climbing and some of those buds on those trees 
are just starting to swell up a little bit and we know that we're going to be turning into a sea of green pretty soon. And our lawns too. Have you been driving around and where you can see where it's been in warmer spots? That lawn and that grass and maybe, yeah, I'm going to say the weed word. Some of those weeds are turning green too. The lines are open. 1-800-374-3315. Now, Going to our lawns, because that's one of the things that we can kind of start with if our gardens are still wet and we're not ready to plant. So let's do it in stages and start with the lawn and getting it fixed up. So if you have an existing lawn, and you may or you may not have vole damage, but this is also a good way to encourage growth if you've got those damages, or if you want a really healthy lawn, overseeding, And fixing the lawn by doing seeding encourages denser, thicker lawn, which could possibly inhibit weed seeds from getting down lower and taking hold. So having a lush healthy and being healthy is really good. It keeps the vigor that, just think of it as yourself. If you get worn down, you get tired, you may get sicker a little bit faster, right? So if you keep the robust and your health going, then it's perfect. So there are some tips that you can have for fixing up your lawn and by mixing in some additional grass seed that's on there. But before we do that, we're going to take callers first, okay? We're going to go right to line. Hi, Joanne. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Rapid City. Rapid City. Well, hello to everyone out in Rapid City. Yeah, good morning. How can we help you this morning on the Lawn Garden Journal? Uh, I did start some geraniums from cuttings. And okay. I was wondering, should I take the tops out to make them spread out a bit instead of like one, one long stem? Yes. Okay. That's perfect. We do that quite often here at the garden center because a lot of times uh, we will get some of these novelty plants in as, as a plug form. And sometimes it looks like a little tiny stick with yeah. those side branches. Yeah. Yeah, so if you let a couple leaf nodes grow yeah. above it for the original, we call it just pinching that leader or that lead growth on the top. Right. And if you have lower leaf sets, like three or four leaf sets beneath it, the joint where that leaf is will cause side branchings to encourage growth. Okay. Yeah, so that is a yes, yes, yes. Okay. Thank you, okay. Very, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, bye. I love your show. Thank you, Joanne. I love it when you guys call in because, A, it gives me an indication of what you guys want to talk about. Yeah. And we're teaching and learning together. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for calling in. You're welcome. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. And this is a great conversation because I know that when I started uh, working on it and thinking, okay, they must want to know about this. There's other indications that, yes, some people may let your plants grow. And if Joanne or other people did not give a little bit of a pinch on that plant, it gets taller and taller and taller. And the other thing, too, is if you're growing your crops, I know, Mike, you're waiting. Hang on. Um, If you're growing taller and your plants are too tight together, they're going to grow like a nice, tall, pyramidal shape. So as they grow tall, pinch them and give them space. I always say if they start touching each other on edge to edge, spread them out a little bit more. 
And I have to say, when you do go to the garden center, they may sometimes take the shape of a more of a kilometer factor. But just remember, when you're heading to your garden center, uh, they're limited in space. But as you do, and you're also buying a bigger one, you can shape it down. But that's another conversation. We want to go to Mike because he's waiting patiently. Hi, Mike. Yes, hello. Good morning. How can we help you? Well, I've got a beautiful apple tree, and I have a problem with it in the fall when I harvest the apples they have brown inside the apples oh okay so, so i'm just wondering just some kind of a spray i could use or uh, when can i use it uh, when's the best time okay well when you're doing that is putting on an apple have you ever heard of an apple maggot trap i'm uh, not really no but uh yeah okay. i heard i heard there's some kind of a bug probably in it yeah because what you want to do is it is a little bit of a fly that comes up and then it basically, there are flies that are overwintering in the ground. And sometimes you will get a higher percentage of this apple maggot because um, I think I'm always encouraging and I think I've learned from um, mum that's in there. Good morning, mum. Is when the apples drop to the ground when they're mature, there is that sort of feeding frenzy that's in there. We have some of the guys that are overwintering down below. But as the new season comes... They seem to come out when the blossoms are setting because the fruit, first you get your your bud set, then you get the flower, and then as soon as the flower is ready to drop, that's where your fruit set is, correct? Correct. So you want to be able to put uh, an apple mega trap, and it's basically, um, it's a... And you can also get them with lures. So it basically looks like a plastic red ball, and if you have any... um, Tanglefoot or sticky paste that you put the sticky paste around it because the fly will be flying up or crawling up and it's attracted to that because it thinks that it's a mature or a formed apple and it wants to get in there and start eating, right? So, for sure, for sure. So these, these, they're like red spheres. You can hang them, but what you want to do is you want to hang them in the tree at the lower portion of the branches. Don't put them in the middle of the tree. Because then they've already gone through the bottom apples. You want to have it at the lower portion of the tree with the sticky paste that's around it. And you want to hang it just as the flowers. Like, I usually like to get it in there before the flowers drop all their blossoms because then that fruit set's already there. And a little bit of a tip. Sometimes when the blossoms fall, they do get stuck on the the paste, but you can just reapply some paste on top. Okay, so where do I I get this uh, paste? Sticky stuff. Well, the apple maggot trap, it comes like a little kit, and it the first one will have some in it, and then um, your garden center that you go to should have what's called an apple, apple maggot trap kit, and then okay. they'll sell the paste. If you need more paste for the next year, then you can just buy the paste, and you don't have to rebuy all the apple stuff. Okay, good. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. one, other, one other thing. Can yeah. I spray the blossoms uh, with something? Uh, before the uh, I applied that uh, sticky stuff, or uh, I probably wouldn't, because in some cases, like um, if you had like melathion or something, and thinking that you were going to uh, spray the bug before the blossoms go through, sometimes okay. if you spray melathion on their blossom, sometimes it causes the effect that you're not going to get any fruit. So don't do that when it's flowering. Okay. Uh, okay. So how many would I need for one apple tree? Uh... One or two, that's it. And I think um, it depends on the kits. Some of them come with one or some of them may come with two balls. 
Okay? Okay, right. All right. So here, the trim last year is going to help to reduce it. My thoughts are you're still going to probably have a little bit because they overwinter in the ground, right? Yeah, okay, so, good. Yeah, okay. So it, take action right away, get it going. And again, keeping a clean crop. And when I'm saying keeping a clean crop, you want to keep the ground clean. So if the if you get a lot of fruit falling, uh, be a little pick diligent and pick them up, okay? Okay, so uh, I could apply that uh, sticky stuff uh, right now, actually, any time now? Well, if you apply it now, um, you know, uh, you might end up catching a lot of other things on it, you know? So I should, so I should, I should wait till the uh, blossoms start uh, coming yes. out then. Yeah, yeah, I would okay, do that Carla. because a lot of times they have these little sticky balls that are going to be covered by other stuff. Okay, okay Carla, thank, thank you very much. Okay, thank you, and uh, have a great okay. weekend, Mike. You too. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. It's all the different time frames. So this is like there's so many different applications that are happening as what to do. It's like if you, uh, we've had late season, Do you did you do your tree banding? It's almost that same sticky paste that's on your tree banding. If you have to get out there and put another little application on it, go ahead because you uh, maybe still have time. I'm just thinking of the weather as how many times that you want to get the insects from going up into the canopy of your trees. So that's a good reminder too. Okay, we're going to go right back to lines. Mary Lynn is, is on the line. Hi, Mary Lynn. Hi. Hi. Where, yeah. I forgot to ask Mike where he was calling from, and I'm going to ask you, where are you calling from? McGregor. McGregor. Yes, we've yep. had some people from McGregor before. Yes. Good morning. We have a clumping birch, and it's looking very nice. But the the branches and the leaves are actually almost hanging to the ground, and it's kind of hard to get around there. Is there some way to trim it without damaging the tree or how it looks? Well, it's if it, is it a weeping birch? Uh, well, it's really hanging down. It, it was called a clumping birch. Okay, so if it's a clump birch, you can do some pruning of it, and it's if it's still in its dormant stage, you could probably still do a little bit of a pruning that's on it. Aesthetically, if you're looking at it and you could prune it to the shape that you want it to be, but um, removing probably the, the upper branches, because I like clump birches, so I probably wouldn't rem- Okay, how many stems? We're going to back up. How many stems are in the clump? Uh, there's three and one new one. <clears throat> okay. We had right. four and one, we lost one, but yeah. there's still three. Okay. So if it's just the branches up above that are are encumbering your area. I would just prune the branches off that you want removed. I wouldn't remove, like, a portion of the clump, like the, the stems, or, like the trunks, because birch are short-lived trees. Oh, so yeah. you do not, like, if you have a, if a fourth one that's starting, let it go. I wouldn't cut the other ones out because um, eventually, after a number of years, you'll probably see a little bit of a decline on it. I just wondered if a person could sort of give it about a two or a three foot uh, uh, space between the leaves and the ground. Like, can you just cut it in around like that? Or yeah, you do can, you have you, to remove branches? Because I don't want to do that. Yeah, you can limit up. Like, if you want to limit up so that the lower branches that are weeping down follow it back yeah. and see which ones are the lower branches, and you can remove those. Oh, 
Okay, okay. so it's got to be a branch or you leave it. Is that it? Yeah, it's got to be a branch. I wouldn't remove the trunk because if you're removing the trunk, you're going to lose a whole portion of a tree because yeah. that supports the upper canopy, right? Yeah, no, we're just looking to see if we can trim back a little bit of the stuff that's hanging near the ground. Yes, you can. Oh, just trim it up just a little bit and then that yeah, should just, be okay. Yeah, you can limb it up because if you're limbing yep. it up a little bit, it's going to raise it up a little bit, and you're probably trying to get the mower under there or something. Well, we've actually now put rock around there, so <laughs> we, we've done a little bit of that. The other thing is, when do you do that? You can do that now. Oh, I can still do it now. You can still do it now on your birch tree. It's getting a little late, but if you wanted to do it now, you can do it now, or if you want to wait till late fall. The only oh, yeah. things you don't want to prune now are your maples, your forsythias, your lilacs, because then you, unless you really, really have to on your forsythia lilacs, but then if you do that now, you're going to lose your blues. Yeah, do no. Do, yeah, do not do any maples now. No. <clears throat> okay, well, thank you very much then. Okay, you're very welcome. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Limbing up a tree can happen at different portions of it, so... Uh, the only thing is even on some uh, removing limbs, and just a little bit, you're just giving me a little reminder, in my younger years, I decided to do a little shaping of some of our trees ourselves. So when you're thinking of removing a branch, kind of pull it downward slightly to give yourself a visual look of what the tree will look like if you remove that branch. Uh, back in the day, I think I was over over uh, pruning <laughs> I took a branch down and then afterwards I looked back and I went why did I do that that just made it look a little different a little wonky a little weighted to one side so it's always nice to sort of take a look at the view of your tree and remember the rule of thumb when you're doing a pruning on a tree or a shrub, shrub is you can take up to one-third so if it's the entire canopy, you can take one-third if you want to take some upper, bigger branches off. Or if you're pruning back some shrubs, you know, if you have a, a, a dogwood tree that you want, you can take back one-third around the top of it or one-third of branches. Maybe there's too many branches that are crossing in between that are giving it a little bit of too much density that's in there. And sometimes it's nice to be able to open up some of the canopies and open up some of the branching in between because A, you're going to get better air circulation within there. You're going to generate new growth that's on it, so it revitalizes a plant too as well. And if you're just doing it, a little bit of maintenance too because if you have too much branches, it actually gives the health too because if too many branches and if you got a lot of branching that's rubbing against each other, you could be opening wounds for insects to get in and then that causes a little bit more of work for you later on. The lines are open. I'm going to give you the number again in case you forgot to jot it down. 1-800-374-3315. The other thing too is if you've got your garden journal open and you're listening and you're putting down some of the tips or some of the stories that we get from people, you could put the number in there too for a quick little call if you need to. Now, I want to talk to you about fixing your lawns because that is something that could be done. And the reason, the rationale why we do it early in the spring, which is a great time to do it, is A, if you're thatching your lawn and getting it all lifted up, you're removing the dead matter from the, the lawn before your new stuff starts coming through. 
because if you do it a little bit too late, you may cause some damage to the new green blades of lawn that are coming through. I love to be able to see where you can do your uh, patches. Sometimes you'll have uh, water damages. Sometimes if you have areas where you had a lot of density and you have snow mold and some really heavy lawn kill from that. And of course, there is also the dog spots that are out there. So it's a good remedy to get out some uh, peat moss. I love using a little bit of a, a bales of peat moss and placing it down. It gives it a little bit of a strata for the seed to take hold to and to anchor it down actually gives it a little bit of, uh, you know, your peat moss has a little bit of, a little bit of acidic content to it, which will, add, uh, which will help to as well. But thatch your lawn in areas where you're really heavily uh, damaged, dog spots or maybe snow molds. Lift that up. Lift it, get some aeration in it, remove the old uh, grass cuttings. You can either put them into the composter Okay, that's a good nutrient and it's nice and dry so that when you're layering your moist when you're dry, it's good to do that. Now, if you have a large lawn, usually um, there's usually two or three bales for a thousand square feet. And I like to do this and recommend splitting your bale up because it has the big plastic on it, cutting it, moving that portion into the area and busting it up on on a day that it's not windy and fan raking it out in the area that needs to be covered. Now, once that's done, you can then select the type of grass seed that you need to repair your lawn. Most lawns have a general three-way mix blend. You'll have some fescue, some rice, and some Kentucky blue mixtures that are in there. So you'll want to broadcast some uh, seed on top of that and let it take hold. Now, spring is perfect because we have our spring rains. Spring is perfect because we have that dewy coolness in the morning that is going to help to hold the moisture on your seeding to help with the germination and for the viability of that grass seed. And because we know with the general blend of grass seed with your three ratios of seeding that's on there, uh, your rice are going to start a little bit faster. Your Kentucky blues are going to be the last of them. So you do have up to 21 days that you have to keep some moisture on that turf seed for it to germinate. I like to keep a little bit of extra because as you see where some are taking hold, of course, there's going to be some areas that did not get a, enough seeding. Maybe the birds took a seed or two. So it's always nice to do it in stages where you do a little bit of seeding. After about two weeks, uh, if you see things are really lighter or not taking hold, you can spread a little bit more on there. Again, thicker lawn, less chance of weed seeds for blowing in. Now, let's say there's a scenario on the landscape side that if I've had some areas where I've had some sinking uh, of some of my turf or sinking of some... Uh, sod away from edges of maybe patios or driveways. It happens because our ground dries up a little bit. We see that sinkage. Now, this scenario would probably not be as best because you want to be able to have a positive grade to your concrete so that, A, you don't want that edge to roll an ankle over it. You want to have it safety. So if you need to raise your grade to have a positive grade against your hardscapes of like driveways to lawn, home to lawn, sidewalk to lawn, you may have to use topsoil to bring bring your grade back up so that 
that you don't have that tripping hazard that's on it. So if that's the case, you can use topsoil to bring up your grade and sow direct to the topsoil. And now you're going to say, why didn't she recommend using topsoil across my whole lawn? Well, in some instances, if I do not want to add extra weed seed to my lawn, uh, because some of the soils will have some weeds that are in there. If it, it does give it some new energy, if you want to broadcast some soils that are mixed with manures and other things, elements that's on there. But if you just want to create that quick little, I want some new grass seed, I do not have to add any topsoil to my lawn. This is the measures that you can take. That's a good thing. Especially too, if um, in some areas where you're really, really uh, smaller, and let's say everything's lush, except for you just have those dog spots that you have to remedy. There are little kits that you can get that already have the grass seed and they're already coated with a little bit of an elemental uh, fertilizer with a little bit of a catchment of a peat base wrapping around it. It's almost like it's already mixed. You just shake it all on. It's ready to work. It's good to go. So there are the the dog spot kits that you can get if you have the smaller areas. It's not probably the budget costing if you have an entire lawn to do. If it's the entire lawn, get your bales of peat moss, get your pounds, and generally three pounds of grass seed blend will do about a thousand square feet too as well. All right. Now you're going to ask me, okay, I'm going to give you a little scenario. If you have a general mix lawn that has your ratios of your different mix, we do have some people that have come in and said, well, I want a Kentucky blue and I'm going to patch up with Kentucky blue. Well, be cautious because if you just put Kentucky blue into where you have those dog spots, you're going to have different textures in your lawn. If you're going to do a general blend all the way across and you want to increase your ratio of more Kentucky blue in it, go with your general blend and add more Kentucky blue so that eventually your Kentucky blue will be a little bit higher percentage on it. Now, if you're in a shady portion and you have some lawn that is not even growing in some spots, Ask for a shade blend. There is a shade blend grass that you can put in and it targets just for areas that are in the shade. So you're going to be a little bit more successful in growing that. Okay, that's what you want to do. All right, that sounds good. So that takes care of the lawn. If you have any questions, if you want to know about the lawn, you can call me. You have you have my number. All right, now let's say we have gotten the lawn done. The sprinklers are going over there. Now you can take care of the area where you can be working in the garden. And soon, soon, we are going to be putting our flowers in the garden, the ground, not containers, in the ground. If there's amending, any type of amending that you need to do that you want to boost up or increase the potential of your soils, this is the time that you can kind of do that. Let's get out there. Let's get the pitchforks going. Get the weeds out. All right, because they seem to be growing right now. I know in my little garden patch that's close to the house where I love putting a couple tomatoes and I have some chive patches that are there. I must admit, I did not get some of my flowers off of my chives last year and I have chive seeds everywhere. Yes, even a few between the patio stones. So I'll be doing a little bit of a cleanup and of course, the chives have been growing through three weeks. So the beneficial portion of that is snipping a little bit of a chives to put in some salads and a little bit of chives into some cheesy tea biscuits. 
you got to try it. It's really good. Amending the soils is a good portion that you're doing. So you're going to weed first. And a good recommendation is, what do I do with my soil if there's different conditions? Is it too compacted? Is it too hard? Take a look at it and do the assessment now to see what you need to do before you're planting. It's a little disheartening if you go out and do your planting and you find that that little hand trowel is just like really hard. You can't do anything with your soil. And when you see the difference of working with the soil that's been corrected and amended, your thoughts are going to go, wow, that is gorgeous. That is a nice soil. So adding things such as well-rotted manure. Okay, if you get a hold of some manure out there and you're farming and that kind of stuff, and if it's too ripe or too early and not well composted, you could cause burning that's on there. You can add some peat moss to it to help to lighten it up and break it up that's in there. There is a product also that's on the market that a lot of people use is a gypsum base. You can, um, it's basically marketed as clay buster. If you're in the valley, red valley, the old Agassiz lake bed, you know that we're very clay based. We're very heavy that's in through here. So it helps to break down the soil into a more workable area so that you're able to work it better. Now, if you're Brandon and you've got that silty, sandy soil, which perfectly drains after a rain, you may not be targeting the clay buster. You may be amending and putting more of the manures or some compost in there to help retain things and moisture and nutrients. All right. The other thing that I, I love, I've, I think I've told you before that I did a test a few years ago when we had um, it brought to us to say there's a product called sea soil. Wonderful. Compostable renderings from forestry mixed with products from fish byproducts. I just did a little demo here a little while ago and I opened up a bag and they said sea soil and I said yeah it's rendered by fish with fish. You how many people backed up and went ooh ooh nope not gonna smell it. Well lo and behold a handful in my hand up to the nose it goes you do not smell anything like that at all. It's kind of got this rich barky texture that when you mix it into your soils it gives us that blend that is just beautiful to okay tactile we all like putting our hands in the soil we got dirt under our nails it just adds to that element and thinking about that test that I did I actually took a bag put it in a window box and grew straight in it as a test to see what it would do as a testimonial well I put some sea soil straight in into a window box threw some I, okay, I say throw some in. I didn't throw them in. I planted them in and I made this as a gift for my hubby because he's the cook. He loves his herbs. And lo and behold, I had the best ever rosemary, basil, oregano, and sage. They were wonderful. And I could have done half and half. I could have done one third to two thirds that's in there, but I wanted to see the power of this. The plants did not overgrow. Not like adding more of your manures where if you go too heavy in nitrogen, yes. If your gardens are too heavy in nitrogen because of your NPK ratio, which is your fertilizer ratios, you will get lush green growth, but sometimes it causes the plant to go, I'm going, I'm going, I'm growing, but I'm not going to have flowers and I'm going to have less fruit. 
you want to equate your ratio so that it, it adds to the nutrients value to grow plants with greenery, with your nitrogen, but you also want to encourage fruiting and blooming. It's summer in Manitoba. We want flowers. We want to grow our own food to stay healthy. And this is a good portion of doing it. Now, if you wanted to cut down your labor on it, I usually like to say, okay, clean the garden, pull the weeds, give it a little bit of a light turn with the pitchfork or the rototiller, but don't go too crazy because what you're going to do is like create a sandwich, put down your peat moss, throw down your manure and a little bit of sea soil and turn once. So then, unless you really want to build some muscle, you could do it each time you put a different layer in, but that's a lot of muscle building, all right? There's my thoughts on fixing and amending your lawn and the garden. Because right now, you can be, and if you're ahead of the game, there are some certain crops that can go in the garden. Like your cold crops, right? We are thinking about what can go in the garden right now and what can be planted right now if you're sowing some things. Uh, Of course, if you're sowing chives, chive seed, we know they can go in. My si- uh, The seeds from my chives from last year are already growing. All right, if you wanted to put some of your kale in, your spinach in, your carrots, start putting some of these in a little bit earlier. And of course, if you want an early crop, put your lettuce in. They love it. They'll take that. Okay, be cautious on your tomatoes and be cautious on your peppers because they do not like it. And of course, corn, corn does not like it soggy and cold. So corn has to wait. All right. Now, a couple things I wanted to mention, and I know that we um, gave you a little bit of a tease and a a feature on some plants last time, but I wanted to mention that there is a couple uh, new plants that I think are worth looking for this year. And I saw a few of them on some uh, tours last year. So if you're looking for a couple things, and I am a passionate hydrangea person, I love hydrangeas. You can Google up and look for uh, candelabra hydrangea. It is a beauty, and it's one of those ones that I think you should look at and resource. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back next next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.